Mamas and future mamas out there, I just wanted to start by saying I am sending you all of my love and healthy, happy vibes. This can be a hard time for everyone, especially moms. And I am so grateful that you're taking time to listen to this podcast, and I hope that it brings you a little bit of light and joy. If you're enjoying what you hear, I would really appreciate it if you would share the podcast with a friend. I'm trying to reach as many moms as I possibly can, and I can't do this without your help. In addition, I would really love if you would take two seconds and just fill out a review, rate, and make sure you subscribe on iTunes. That way, more people can find us. Finally, I just wanted to remind you that if you check in the show notes of any of the episodes, you can find links to both of our sponsors, Hypno Babies for a 20% discount using Pumping Podcast, as well as the Kind Products. Check them out there. Now on to the show. This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Mamas, this week I'm bringing you an episode that I'm feeling really, really bad about because we actually recorded this months and months ago, but I was having a lot of trouble. We did it in person, and I was having a lot of trouble editing it, so... My apologies to my guest, Kate. She's been so patient, but this episode is finally coming out for you. I apologize because it's not perfect and my OCD is kicking in, but nonetheless, this episode I sit down in the home of my dear friend, Kate, whose little girl I've babysat, and we chat about life now with two, and not only with two, but in a tiny little apartment in New York City. We talk about minimalistic living, Marie Kondoing your life, and really getting rid of all of the junk and allowing space for love and family. Here's Kate. First of all, for anyone listening, I'm here with Kate in her home in New York City in Astoria, and I'm so excited because I just got to meet sweet little Daphne, and she is three, three and a half weeks old. Oh my gosh. She's just the cutest. Um. So it's ultra special because I'm in her home and we're just hanging out. So I started, or I met you when I first started babysitting your first little one, Penelope. And she was about like six months, right? Yeah, I think she was. Because I I remember coming in and meeting her at this table. And she was just like a tiny little thing. And now she's two and a half. Little bald baby. Now she's two, two and a half exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to talk about so many things. But first, we're going to hear Kate's story. And then we're going to talk about something that's a little bit different, but is changing from kind of a busy New York City life, living in a small but beautiful apartment, and then kind of going down to a minimalistic style of living in order to welcome your second. Yeah. Before we get into all of that, though, I want you to bring us back. And this is going to be kind of fun for me because I don't really know much of your story, even though I feel like I know you really well. Yeah. So AJ and I moved to New York City in 2010. AJ was moving here for his career, um, and we weren't married yet. We were both living in different neighborhoods. Um, AJ was out in Bushwick in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You um, moved to Astoria. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I was living with some girlfriends in Astoria. And um, so I started out in Astoria with some girlfriends. And then AJ and I got married in 2011. And I was already familiar with this neighborhood. We found this apartment that we are sitting in right now. um, And we moved in here. And it was just so perfect for us, we thought, at the time. Being newlyweds, being young, like kind of in the mix of this 
neighborhood that was like sort of gentrifying. A lot of new restaurants were opening um, and we just like lived it up. It's a super quick commute into the city. So it was easy for both of us to get to our jobs. Um, I work as a physical therapist and AJ works as an actor. And um, one of my girlfriends and I were kind of talking about how our husbands and our careers compare as like stocks and bonds. Like our husband's careers are the stocks and that they're like up and down and up and down totally, and you know as yeah. an actress. Um, and then our careers are sort of like the boring yet like very stable. That's so interesting. That's a great way to think of it. Um, but we've been doing that for almost 10 years now and, and living here. Um, and so you both met also before you moved to New York, we did. right? Yeah. So we met in college um, at the University of Notre Dame and we started dating there. We dated like our junior, part of our junior and our senior year. And then what was really kind of strange is then we both left to go to grad school and then, you know, sticking it out and then coming to New York and Aww. living hopefully happily ever after. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. You guys are just the sweetest. So then... You're living it up in Astoria, going to work, everything's pretty normal. When did you feel, especially because I'm an actor and I know that it's hard, but when did you feel like you were ready to move into that next step of starting a family and how did that come up? Did you plan for a while or did it just sort of happen? So I think we knew getting married, I think we were about 26 years old when we got married and we knew that we wanted to like have just a really great time. We always knew we wanted kids. Right. We knew we wanted to have just like an excellent time before we had kids. We never wanted to look back and think like, oh, we had them too soon or like, oh, we didn't get enough like us time. Um, and so we always knew it was on the horizon, but we made sure to like travel a ton. We made sure to like have fun in the city. Um, we got to take a few big trips like to Europe. We visited some friends in Australia. Like we got to do some really fun things. Um, and then about like... I think five-ish years in, we were like, okay, like maybe, maybe it's time to like add more joy to this family. And yeah. so we, um, a topic for another day or another conversation, we um, had an had an interesting time following a a method of um, called fertility awareness method. I don't know if you know if don't, you know what that is, but it's it's basically it's so interesting. I wish like after I learned about this, because I read a book called Fertility Awareness Method, I was like, why don't they like teach you this in like sixth grade when you're having like sex ed? Yeah. It's basically like a way to track your fertility. Um, because, you know, some people will like take the pill and then they stop the pill and they have trouble getting pregnant or like um, some people have trouble getting pregnant regardless right forever, as we've heard on like a lot of, a lot of your podcasts. Um, but this was, this is just like a really simple way to start tracking your own signs of like, your temperature, your like cervical mucus, the position of your cervix to know like essentially when you're fertile. And that's and it, something you sought out or did that's somebody? Something, I was like, I was like researching it because I was like, oh, you know, like we're going to start trying to get pregnant. I'm going to get off the pill. I think I was like Googling like, you know, what symptoms do you have when you're getting off the pill? How long does it usually take to get pregnant after you get off the pill? Um, and that's so much more helpful than following. I mean, those apps are great, but just following an app to know, you know, oh, this is where you are in your cycle or something, yes. but that's so much more because helpful. It's really helpful because a lot of women like have, they don't have just the standard, what is it like 28 day cycle. Right. So if your cycle is a little bit different and there's only like a small window of area to get pregnant, um, it's it a really useful tool. Yeah. So the book I think is by, I would probably have to look it up. Tony. We can look it up. 
called Taking Control of Your Fertility. Okay. And I'll look it up and yeah, put it in the show notes. It's a useful tool both to use if you're trying to get pregnant or trying not to get pregnant. Yeah. So you just know like when you're most fertile. Yeah. That was too much information on that topic. No, not at <laughs> all. This is a, that's good, helpful information. But sure. what that helped us do is just like when we decided we were ready for a baby, we pretty much got pregnant like right that away. month, you know, wow. that next cycle. And so we had waited, you know, the time that we wanted to wait and then we got pregnant right away, which that differs from the sec- our second pregnancy. Um, but... And then we had Penelope in April of 2017. And what was that like? What was that pregnancy and birth like for you? Yeah. So I heard a little bit of the story when I talked to AJ on the street one day after it was, I think, like two or three days after Daphne came. Okay. And I saw him on the street and I said, oh, well, how did everything go? And he told me how... Daphne's birth was. Yes. But then I said, oh, and how was Penelope's? And he's like, totally different. <laughs> so tell us. Yeah. So I guess the pre- – like they were both very different pregnancies and very different um, deliveries. The pregnancies were so different because with Penelope, I was like at the peak of my fitness. Um, the pregnancy was so easy. I could like – I was running until like a week before I delivered her. It was just wow. like crazy. Like I felt so amazing. Um, with Daphne, I wasn't as fit. If had, you hear little had, Daphne in the yeah, background, that's her crying. With Daddy. <laughs> Dad's with it. <laughs> um, I'd already, you know, I was already stretched out. I wasn't taking as much care of myself, like physically as I was with Penelope because I was chasing around a toddler and right. parenting and working. Um, so the pregnancy for Daphne was a little bit harder. Um, I felt a lot more discomfort during the pregnancy, uh, I felt much more tired, and I don't know if that's – that was probably a combination of a few things. Second pregnancy, also parenting a toddler, um, and it was summer. And so right. hot. it was just so hot yeah. and so uncomfortable. Like, I could do anything when I was pregnant with Penelope. Pregnant with Daphne, I would have to sit on, like, a park bench walking to work, like, yeah. commuting somewhere. And so. Penelope was born in April, born in right? April. So you kind of went through the – Winter, winter cooler yes. months yeah. so cool I, that's one recommendation i would give to anyone like planning a pregnancy is yeah. plan for like a spring or summer baby <laughs> yeah because it's so much more comfortable i mean you don't have you don't have control over really anything but if you can a little bit can. that's <laughs> optimal <laughs> so with penelope the actual birth of her was it pretty seamless or how did that yeah i mean she was a very healthy baby so you know i I had a vaginal delivery. I had a very healthy baby, like 9 out of 10 on the APGAR scale. Um, I would call that, like, generally very seamless. If you, like, break it down to the nitty-gritty, um, I had I had a pretty long, early, and active labor with her. So I was mm. probably laboring in total for maybe, like, 24 26 hours but the majority of it the early labor was easy enough that I could like be doing yoga I could be going to the post office Mm -hmm. I could I got a pedicure I super easy um AJ was actually like I think he was auditioning that day and like also working a side job and when he got home that night it was like picking up enough that it was active labor I was in the tub kind of 
the contractions were loud enough or were strong enough that I was like being loud through them. Then we, we went right to the hospital and actually with Penelope, when we got there, I was 10 centimeters dilated, fully effaced. And they were like, Oh my goodness, this is awesome. Your baby's coming in 30 minutes. And so I was like, we were like, Oh my God, we did it. The hard part (laughs) is amazing. Amazing. Baby's coming in 30 minutes. It's going to be awesome. Um, and that just like did not happen. So we went to a delivery room and they were like, go ahead, start pushing when you feel the contractions. But I like, I wasn't feeling an urge to push yet. And actually with Penelope, I never felt the urge to push, which is something that like a lot of moms say that, that they feel the urge to push when it's like time to push baby out. And that feels really good. They like, they can push and that feels good. It feels better than like the contractions. But, um, we pushed, I pushed, and my doula and AJ supported me, <laughs> and it was tiresome for all of us, but we pushed for, like, four hours, and it was just, like, unproductive. I still wasn't having, like, the feeling to push. I was pushing anyway for four hours. That's, like, longer than running a marathon. Seriously. Yeah, your body's um, just wiped. Yeah, and I was totally wiped, and then they started throwing, like, the C word around, C-section, and um, I was just, like, no way. So then they gave me another option for, like, a vacuum or, like, forceps assisted delivery and I was like I just got to a point where I was like oh my god I can't even like my muscles are just so fatigued that I can't stand anymore I can't support myself on my hands like I'd been doing and so I was like I'll do the vacuum and so um it got very medical for a minute a lot more people came in the room they had had me get on my back and um it was so funny because I was getting tired and this was the reason that I was like okay let's do the vacuum and then the doctor said to me, okay, now you're going to have to push harder than you've pushed all night. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, I thought that's why we're bringing the vacuum. To right. Like do Help me. Yeah. But um, basically they used the vacuum, a few pushes and an episiotomy and they, you know, helped her come out. But that was just a very long pushing um, birth for me. And yeah, it was a long time in the delivery room. And so I felt like that was hard, and and now when I look back on it, I'm like, you know what? The way I view it has a lot to do with, like, what it is. At the time, it felt like I felt very unhappy with, like, the experience. Like, I didn't like that I was, you know, kind of put on my back. I didn't like there were people kind of holding my legs so that my, like, knees were up at my ears, and it just kind of felt like my child was, like, extracted from me, so. Do you think in if you had been in this situation again, you would have just tried to keep pushing on through and waited? If I had to do my first birth over again, I think I would have really advocated more for waiting, like saying, you know, I don't feel the urge to push yet. I'm getting tired. Can I wait? And so I think a lot of my first experience like influenced my experience with Daphne then. Right. Well, Um, and maybe that's something that like I'm trying to figure out how if mom's hearing that would, would, does, I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, when you're there, many things happen and you can't control a lot, right? But if you are agreeing with something that Kate's saying, maybe it's something to say to your partner or your doula or something like, okay, this is my ultimate goal. And like, maybe even, maybe even have like a safe word or something, yeah, you yeah. know, that like the doctors don't know. That's like, if you are, cause I'm, you're really vulnerable and you're exhausted. Especially with your first child because you just don't know what to expect. And I used up in those four hours of like pushing. All your energy. I did use up my energy. And so at that point, like 
I think my options really were C-section or vacuum. And I think that I just knew for a subsequent birth, I wanted to save a little bit of energy. Yeah. However that would look in a subsequent birth. I also knew in a second birth, I would very unlikely be pushing for four hours because it all happened, you know? So you're... Your body kind of knows what it's doing. Your body's a little bit stretched out already. So So then life with just one was just pretty was great. Amazing. Right? Oh my God. Yeah. Life with just one and now life with two. I mean, I'm skipping way ahead, but I feel like the more kids, just like the more joy. Yeah. I, was, I even told AJ like, oh my God, we need another one. That's so fun. That's, it's too early because Daphne basically just sleeps right now. So. Yeah. It's too early to decide on another one. Exactly. But um, life with Penelope was amazing. We were experiencing everything for the first time, you know, like nursing and her little coos and like, you know, everything was so precious. We totally were the first time parents who we had her crib next to our bed for like way longer than we needed to. And like, so um, we're in a one bedroom apartment in Astoria, New York, and it's probably about 650 square feet maybe I I don't know I don't know exactly but it's about 650 square feet so she her crib was initially by our bed and then the plan was we had taken this um walk-in closet and gut like gutted it as a closet and then like painted it and repurposed it into a nursery and so the plan was that this like walk-in closet alcove we didn't refer to it as a closet anymore. It was yeah. like now the nursery. The You've seen the nursery. Yeah. <laughs> and the plan was to have her crib because it could fit her crib and some some like very small walking space to have her crib in the nursery. But we had like the crib at the foot of our bed. And then I think at like six or nine months, we transitioned it like closer to the door of the walking <laughs> closet. Slowly moving. <laughs> and then we like transitioned it into the closet where we'd have it like in the closet for naps, but then her out of, you know, out of the nursery space for night. And eventually she transitioned fully into her nursery nook. Now, it's so crazy to me because I know, you know, so many moms, including myself kind of, or women in general, just look to the future of like, okay, you get married, you have your house, you know, especially you set up your nursery and you want it to be a certain way. And look a certain way and this and that but the reality is especially in New York it is what it is it and is you just got to make it work <laughs> and so how did did you have any feelings toward that did were you able to move past it fine how did that feel for you I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because that's actually something I wrote down as a note that I was like there's a topic I want to chat about with Jess and it's just this topic of um especially with small space living which is kind of what we're doing now we're four people in a one bedroom um you have to be okay with your space being a work in progress and just like having grace and accepting that like this is going to be a work in progress and it's okay if things aren't like picture perfect, Pinterest, Insta ready. Um, And I think that not only about like our small space, but also about like your life in general, like you as a person are a work in progress. Your career is a work in progress. So I think that that's one thing that we've just really accepted is that like, or maybe I've accepted, accepted, maybe AJ has always been able to see it this way, but I have really transformed from being like a total perfectionist to just being like, it's okay if things are constantly changing, constantly like improving. Well, because I know even last night I was, (laughs) I was watching Love It or List It. (laughs) 
home network. Okay, you know? okay. It's like they fix up your house and they make it one way and yeah. then they show you like your dream home. And so yeah. you decide whether you're going to stay in your fixed up house or move together. Yeah. And they show this house and, you know, I mean, it's stunning and it has a beautiful nursery with a connecting Jack and Jill bathroom. And then the second, I mean, that's the dream. And so I even said to my husband last night, I was like, I see things like that. And I'm like, Oh God, I just want that. Or not that elaborate, but I just want, you know, an actual home with a second bedroom and this and that. But there is some sort of peace to knowing, I mean, even talking to my parents recently, and I think this happened for many of our parents of that generation they didn't really get their home home till they were much older. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I remember living in apartments and condos growing up as a kid. And it wasn't until I was in high school that we moved into an actual like home home. Yeah. You know, my parents live in a colonial. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, we still get stuck with this idea that we need that and yes. we can't make this work. And it's not going to influence Penelope or Daphne's life. No, it may even make it like, I think, better in some ways. Because I was chatting with another mom friend who she had like recently been out um, in New Jersey to like visit a friend. And she was like laying by their pool and like staying overnight in their like three bedroom, three bathroom home. And she, you know, was thinking about like, oh, wouldn't this be so nice for my family? But she was like, you know what? If we were in like a three-bedroom, three-bathroom home, I would never be see like, each other. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we would probably never see each other. But she's like, I would also just be spending like my whole life maintaining this three-bedroom, yes. three-bathroom home with a pool and a yard and, you know, all that stuff that comes along with it instead of doing other things, you know? Right. And she was like, do I want to be just like taking care of a huge house, you know, and filling it with stuff and then taking care of that stuff. And she was like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm happy where I am now. So, yeah. so transitioning from that, because you had a very, you know, great sort of situation here. She was in the alcove. In the nursery. nursery. <laughs> yeah. Nursery nook. I like Penelope's that. Penelope's nursery nook. Yeah. Um, and then I'll never forget the day that I was over watching Penelope and you told me that you had another one on the way and you said oh and we're kind of looking I said well what are you going to do are you going to move that's what everyone oh, asks right? right family everyone like well you have to leave your apartment now right right so how did you approach that home search where did you have certain like what I mean clearly I'm spoil spoiler alert spoiler you didn't alert. move we didn't but were, did you have certain requirements and what made you ultimately decide to stay? Yes, Jess. We had an Excel sheet of, <laughs> of like requirements, of pros and cons. This is probably like, AJ is such a good sport that he'll like, he goes along for the ride and like will help brainstorm all the content, <laughs> but poor him. I like make us put it into Excel sheets so we can like see what's going on that. and like weigh the pros and cons. But there were there were so many factors that helped us decide to stay here. Um, yeah, so we found out we were pregnant in uh, early 2019, and then we were like, oh, well, we live in a one-bedroom on a – what makes it even better is that it's a third-floor walk-up. Right. right? <laughs> so there would be no way that we could add a, a new baby to this situation. Um, so we um, started looking. We were actually interested in home buying, so we – we love our neighborhood, so we were like, let's look around in Astoria. 
we did that for a while. We had, you know, some of our must-haves were like we needed an elevator building or to be on the first floor. We needed an apartment with um, laundry in the unit or in the building with a dishwasher. We needed, we wanted natural light, this and that. We wanted at least a two-bedroom. Um, so Pardon started, the and here's ambulance. <laughs> that's what fire truck that's probably going to stop right in front of our house. <laughs> um, so we started working with a realtor and looking around Astoria and we just found that there was nothing um, that like spoke to us in Astoria either, you know, anything that did speak to us in Astoria was like wildly out of our price range. Um, but things in Astoria, it just didn't match up to like our expectations in terms of like the quality and the layout and the price point. And um, did you ever consider going to another and so we did. Please, so yeah. what accidentally happened is <laughs> one night after I was like searching on Zillow for way too many hours and like refreshing and refreshing, I erroneously, I shouldn't have done this. This was a huge mistake, but I expanded like the search bubble. So from Astoria, just to like a few miles wider, which starts to encompass like the area north of New York City. And I found this... Um, listing that was in our price range that was north of the city and somewhere in Westchester and I made the mistake of clicking on it and it was like this gorgeous like multiple bedroom multiple bathroom huge house with a yard and like a driveway and a garage and it was close to like a metro north train yep. I think that's what yep. goes up there um and it was like well within our price range and I just like had a panic attack <laughs> like I mean I grew up in that sort of house I grew up in a three-bedroom two-bathroom home in the midwest you yeah. know where things are like affordable and it's just normal to have laundry right. it's normal to have a washer <laughs> yeah. and dryer it's normal to have a backyard and um space and I was just like what the actual fuck are we doing yeah <laughs> we are oh. like trying to stay in Astoria and then I was like why are we trying to stay here and so it just like really sent me spiraling I think AJ came home that night and I was just like in tears like look at what we could get if we just left the city yeah. um so then we expanded our search to like north of the city and to New Jersey and to like um Long Island and it just got out of control because you cannot look for something to buy in like 50 different neighborhoods. And um, meanwhile, while we're going on this journey of home buying, um, I'm getting more and more pregnant. And so months are passing. And we also realize that we just don't know anything about the neighborhoods outside of our neighborhood. And so we're like, do we go visit these neighborhoods? Do we, how do we research them? Do we need to be looking into schools if we're buying like a long-term home? And it just got really overwhelming and we just closed the book on buying a home. We were like, you know what we're going to focus on right now? We're going to focus on being pregnant, getting our toddler ready to accept a new sibling. We, we one night just decided we're so happy here. Like it sounds so hokey, but we're we're happier right now in life than I feel like we've ever been and like we're like in years we're gonna look back and realize that like these are the like have been some of the best years of our life and we don't need a bigger home to be happier um something else that like wildly affected our decision was we also like have an incredible community of people in Astoria I mean on a few levels right like we have so much support in Astoria. 
um, from like the network of moms in Astoria, which is actually through, I'm sure, a resource that you've mentioned in your podcasts before or that you can um, put in the notes, Momily. So, and you probably felt like you would have had to start over in finding all of that. Sure, right? sure. And, and so like that's on one level support, but then we also have like a handful of families just like on our block of like parents and friends and parents of multiples and parents of children are our daughter's exact same age and we were really like are we gonna move to a house in a neighborhood that we don't know anything about where we don't know anyone in the fall like having a newborn baby going through like postpartum not knowing anyone being in a new space and we were just like our community is way too important to us and so that also really helped us decide to stay in this yeah and so you made that choice and you know I mean babysitting for years and years and years I've seen all the houses and all the different living situations I mean you guys you've seen some pretty awesome living situations (laughs) I've seen some pretty awesome ones but I've also seen some I've seen some awesome ones but I've also seen awesome ones that are not well taken care of or even well organized um, and I have to say that for you guys from the beginning, just with Penelope, I mean, you're so clean and organized and you use the space perfectly, but you, that is so sweet to hear, especially like being three weeks postpartum when I think like everything is just like out of control. Oh, are you kidding? There's not one thing out of place right now in this apartment. <laughs> not at all. No, it, I mean, to me, I mean, your apartment always seemed, of course it's small, but you know fairly minimal. You never had boxes of things and stuff everywhere and anything, but you still decided we need even more minimalistic type of approach, right? <laughs> yeah, and so totally what did, how did you do that and what did you do? So we, um, when we decided we were going to be four in a one bedroom, we ultimately made the decision that AJ and I were going to turn the living room into our bedroom um, at night and have it be the living room during the day, and that um, our bedroom was going to eventually be the kids' room. At at the time when we were pregnant with Daphne, we didn't know she was a girl, but now it's going to be the girls' room. Um, And our bedroom is fairly big, um, so that is not going to be an issue at all to have both kids in the bedroom when the time comes. Um, We started to really brainstorm, like, what was that going to look like in the newborn phase and like while Daphne was an infant. Um, so we tried to brainstorm a lot of things to do to get ready for that. And so some of the things that we've done, I I should say, before I say some of the things that we've done is that we like looked all over online for other people who were living in small spaces Mm. and we got a lot of, a ton of ideas. Almost all of the things that we did were ideas from bloggers or podcasters, um, that were, Um, blogging about or interviewing people about living in small spaces. So none of the ideas are my own, but this is what we did. Um, We decided to put a Murphy bed in our living room. So um, in our living room now, there's a Murphy bed in both AJ and my um, wardrobes that used to be in the bedroom. Um, And we decided that we were going to just keep our regular bed that we had been our queen size bed in the master bedroom, the only bedroom, um, because it has storage underneath. So it's an Ikea brimness bed, I believe. And so it has really huge under bed drawers. So we were like, we think we need to keep that for storage. We put a Murphy bed, um, 
in the living room. And then we just started to, um, we started to use like the Marie Kondo method oh, yeah. of, um, she's the woman who wrote the book, the, the art of tidying up or the magic art. Yeah, I have to look it up. I'm going to have to call it. I think it might be officially called like the Marie method where yeah. you go through um, all of your possessions and you pretty much get rid of everything that you don't need and you only keep the items that are like super necessary or items that spark yes. joy. I just looked it up. The life-changing yeah. magic of tidying up. Yeah. Yeah. And actually um, a colleague had lent me that book. Thank you, Patty. <laughs> and um, I also found um, – a blogger slash Instagrammer on Instagram who had also really applied these principles. And that, um, the, the name of this blogger is The Tidy Dad. Have you heard of no. that? They're actually an Astoria family, which Ooh. is really crazy. I, I was looking at a lot of their pictures on Instagram, getting ideas for small space living before I realized you're like wait a minute and then I was like a lot of these pictures of their neighborhood like look like my neighborhood and then I was like oh my god they live in our neighborhood so that's so funny we've like contacted them and and said like oh my god thanks for all these ideas like we're also in Astoria and trying to live this crazy life um but they also use the KonMari method but basically so we started with our clothing and we decided all of our clothing needed to live in our wardrobes and that was going to include like our winter shoes, winter coats, like swimsuits, seasonal things, everything. All of my clothing lives in one and a quarter wardrobe because I have too much stuff. <laughs> All of AJ's stuff lives in one wardrobe. Um, so Basically, what we did is we we went through the method where we take all of our clothing out, all of our clothing from everywhere in the house, and we go through and we only keep the things that we use or that spark joy, and we ended up getting rid of more than, like, half of our stuff. But the strange thing is it was, like, stuff that we weren't wearing. It was just right. taking up space. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, oh, I yeah. should do that. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, like, not – we were not looking forward to starting it, but as soon as – as soon as we did the clothing, we were like, oh, that felt really good. Let's go on to the next step. And she lays out in her book, I think like a certain order that you're supposed to do it in. And I don't know if you're supposed to start with clothing, but we started with clothing. Then we went into our kitchen and did the same thing because, you know, you keep you so many up, utensils yeah. and like you have machines that you don't use. And we Cups had like a, and we had a juicer that we got when we were married and we never, yeah. <laughs> we used it like twice. And I'm like, we're never going to be juicing like yeah. things with two two kids right anyway so we did it in our kitchen we did it to all of our books books are kind of hard because books seem so like they seem like such a quality item that you're like oh but like you could read a book anytime but then we were like am I going to so like 95% of these books we haven't touched since we've put them on the shelf so we did it with our books we did it with paper items um after you do it, like eventually you kind of need to go through yes. and do it again. So we're getting to that point with paper that we need to do it again. But um, so we did that and that really helped us get our belongings into um, a small space and like a manageable space. So that allows us now to have our wardrobe, our Murphy bed, our wardrobes, our Murphy bed, um, our living room furniture in our living room. Um, we mounted our TV on the wall to save some space and it's also mounted in such a way that it can, you know, kind of be facing the bed if we're in bed watching something or facing the couch. If we're having people on the couch, it can face in the kitchen if we're like cooking and need to be looking at something. But honestly, like we, 
We don't watch yeah, yeah, a lot of TV. So I think we were also contemplating at one point, like, should we just get rid of the TV? Yeah. <laughs> um, AJ's mom was actually super helpful in helping us like imagine how to arrange the furniture and stuff in here. So she had this idea of having the couch out like this, so it would kind of separate the living room and the kitchen space. So that was super helpful. What's it been like with the Murphy bed and doing that every night? I mean, is it exhausting? Is it? No, it's it's really not. It's it's tough when you have a lot of people over. So. One thing that we let go of when we decided to live in this space is we were like, you know what, we're just not going to be hosting a lot of people anymore. But we were also like, when was the last time we hosted like a party or a dinner party, you know, since we had Penelope? Never. We had never done it since we had her. Um, But just recently, my family visited and AJ's family visited to meet Daphne. And it is like, it is a very tight space when a lot of people are here. So it's, it's more effortful when it's more than just the four of us, but, um, yeah, but that's only happens every now and then. Yes. Only when you have a baby, you know, and maybe another time in the year. We thought a little bit about lighting and we actually have, it's so funny I'm jumping to this, but like we actually have this little light called a Viva light. It's like this egg shaped light that you can like tap it and it turns on. It's like, it doesn't need to be plugged in and it's actually sitting on the diaper changing station, which we have. Right. I was, I was, I wanted to bring that up before I meant. No, it's so funny. That. I wanted you to bring it up because the last time I was over here before Daphne was born, oh, it was kind of like, what is this? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was, I was in, I was putting Penelope down to sleep and Penelope is now sleeping in the, well, at the time she was still in the crib, but she will be transitioning to the bigger one. So she was in there and I was looking at the crib. And then I was like, okay, but Daphne will probably be out in the living room with them when they sleep. And I was like, where did they change her diaper? <laughs> right, because there used to be a big, like, dresser and diaper changing station exactly. all in the And bedroom. so then all of a sudden I was like, I opened up the closet doors to the, your, your um, entryway closet. closet. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that was genius. It's genius. Yeah. I mean, so really, like, probably too much thought went into it, but what – What sort of happened is a lot of stuff came out into the living room and kitchen area because we were thinking through like when one child is sleeping, Penelope is sleeping in the bedroom and the nursery nook is off the bedroom, we won't really have access to that. So we needed everything else to be out here, Right. right? And that has, we're still finding the balance between we have way too much stuff out here and not enough stuff in the in the room. But I feel like once Daphne grows into being also in the bedroom, that's really going to even out. But so what we've done that Jess is referring to is we took our um, dresser that had like the changing station on top and we put it um, into it fits perfectly in the entryway closet, which we had like gutted then all of the stuff that we had we just had way too much stuff in the closet like that's another thing that in its own weekend we like con married the closet (laughs) and we like took everything out we got rid of probably 50 percent of it and found new homes for that stuff Um, and now the only things in the closet are the dresser the changing station the girls clothes diapers wipes all like the baby gear and then we have like you know everything organized on the shelves but it's all like baby related essentially um and that is so we can like in the middle of the night change Daphne or if it's nap time and Penelope's sleeping we can change Daphne 
outside of the bedroom and not wake her up yeah we have but like actually surprisingly so much fits in there like we have our laundry in there we have our diaper genie our like ubi in there we have everything in there everything tucks away in there it's amazing like what you can tuck away. <laughs> I think once you kind of shift your mindset to like what things should be or what we're used to things being, yes, kind of opens it up. Yeah, yeah. And if you're like, if you're happy, it doesn't matter like right. what space you're living in. So, but I think one thing that we need to we do to try to keep ourselves happy is we try number one to like decide a home for everything so that things can be put away so that we can move easily in our space because when you can't move easily in your space or you're like spilling things or running into things like that's kind of stressful so then that detracts from happiness um so a couple of like things that have helped us do that are collapsible everything's so we have like our toddler's stool in the bathroom is collapsible. The bucket that we like put soiled items in, if they're stained, is collapsible. Our laundry bins are collapsible. Our bed is essentially collapsible. Um, and our tall, I like opened one of those cabinets because we have these like really tall cabinets that I think are typically used for like putting baking sheets right. in, but we have two of them and one of them was just like not very well used. It had like things haphazardly put in it, but we installed this like drawer so it's like four drawers that you can easily like so then you pull have more drawers so we have more stuff to like store like if you're thinking of buying anything for your kids you should probably just google online to see if you can find a collapsible size of it so basically we'll we'll wrap up soon i could talk to you forever i know i'm like um, too many details <laughs> oh no i love it you already gave so much advice with the collapsible, with the books. We'll, I'll put all of those in the show notes. But are there any other pieces of advice that you want, would want to give to parents who are either welcoming a second child or wanting to kind of downsize or live a little bit more minimalist? Yeah. Let me give a, a tip for maybe both of those. So for parents welcoming a second child, we didn't talk much about it in this episode, but I would just say really preparing your first baby for the arrival of your second child, that seems to have gone pretty well for us. So like we would talk a lot about the baby when she was like in the tummy. And then we, we read like big sister books on becoming a big sister. We talked about what it would be like when she was here, that baby's you know, cry a lot. We brainstormed like, what are some things that you can do for the baby? And, and so our daughter Penelope is two and a half you know you'd have to maybe alter exactly what you're saying for like whatever age your first child is but I'm um, just really talking about it um I, I maybe took it too far I went as far as like showing like animations of like how babies are born and like animal babies being born just so like yeah, I don't know she'd have a realistic understanding yeah. of like yeah, yeah babies and you found that she got it right at first I I don't know if it was because like my belly was like small, you know, or if it was her age of being like two years old. But at first it was like, no, she didn't really get it. But as I started to get more and more pregnant and she was like, there is definitely something in there. Or she became, you know, two and a half. um, She started to get it. Yeah. And then she would be like, we told her, you know, mom's going to go to the hospital so they can help her get the baby out. And a few weeks before Daphne came, she'd be like, mom, you're going to the hospital building. You're going to go get the baby. I'm like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. just really talking about it to your toddler or 
first child, being very open about it, I think has been helpful for Penelope's transition. Um, And then advice on if people are going to try to live minimally is make sure that you know why you're doing it, right? Because I think to live like this, just for the sake of living minimally or trying to stay in a tiny space is not enough. Like you have to know why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you're really happy here? Are you doing it because the relationships that you have in the space that you're living in are strong? Um, I think it's possible maybe to be very happy if you're just doing it for minimalism reasons. Um, I don't know that much about minimalism to like do it just to be a minimalist. Um, But then also just trying to stay on top of everything, like having a home for all of your belongings so things can be put away. Um, keeping the items that you acquire very, um, small, getting, if you get a new pair of something, get rid of another pair, um, have a good system for donating things. You know, you can't make a trip to Goodwill right? every time you get a new, um, I don't know, article of clothing. So we have like a trunk that we gather all of our stuff for donations in. And then, you know, once a month or something, we can take it. Um, Our mail, we like one touch rule our mail or we try to. So even before the mail comes into the house, we get rid of all of the junk mail and it goes into the recycling before we even bring it into the house. And then we just have like a mail shelf where it can be like sorted so it can be taken care of. I like that idea though of having, it's kind of like when people start a business, you know, you start with why you have your why and that that's probably the overarching theme. Like, don't just live in a crazy small space with a lot of people for no reason. Yeah. So the last thing I want to ask is my favorite to end on. It's always, what is a message that you want to leave with Penelope and Daphne for when they are 18? Oh, that's so sweet. That's so weighty. I probably should have given that some thought before for when they're 18. You can take a second to think um, about it. A message that I might leave. Uh, and it's actually like, I'll use this. We have this chalkboard in our kitchen and, um, what we have written on it is a message that we had intended to change every like month or something, but it never got changed. It's been there probably for like five years now or something. (laughs) Um, and it says we were together. I forget the rest. And I, it's a quote. I don't have who it's by, but it's definitely a quote, not something that I came up with. Um, But that's sort of a motto that like AJ and I have been living um, by and we kind of like hashtag it on our photos on Insta and like it's become a little bit of a motto and I would just want my girls and, you know, when they're 18 to know that what was important to us was just being together and um, all the other little things like our possessions and the size of our apartment and you know what we were doing weren't that important it's just the fact that we were together yeah that's awesome oh (laughs) Kate you're just the sweetest I have to tell this one little thing before we end yeah is like so usually our experiences are transitions from you know okay I'm here to babysit okay how did everything go okay good night um but you're always just like you have such a good energy about you. You're so grounded. You're so sweet. I mean, I don't know what you're like when the doors close, <laughs> but I mean, truly, you're just you're just such a gem. And I I don't think you even realize this, but 
So I was here the night that Daphne was born, although right. we didn't Thank know you so it. Much. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't quite know what was happening. But I came and I got Penelope because you were at the hospital. And I mean, I was ready. I had my overnight backpacked. I was ready to do yeah. like a yeah. sleepover with Poppy. We, we didn't. That's what we needed. We didn't know it at the time, though. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and so I come in when you ca- – I mean, you come back after you've finally been like, okay, we're at the hospital. Nothing's happening. So we have to wait a little while. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll go. If you need anything for the rest of the night, let me know. And first of all, you had just come back from having contractions and you were exhausted. You wanted this baby like out in the best possible way, like ASAP. And you still sat there and talked to me for so long or stood there and talked to me for so long. And probably all you wanted to do was go lay down and sleep. And you're just the sweetest and kindest. And I'm getting ready to leave. And... You're like, oh, oh, thanks, Jess. Thank you. And I turn around right as I'm about to leave and you're leaning over on the table, probably going through another contraction, just like probably in so much pain. And you just, you're just, grace. That's my word for you. You just have complete grace all the time. Really? Oh, look at that. Well, you do. And on that note, Daphne just cried. She's crying. She's probably So I want you to go in. Yes. Thank you so much for hearing a little bit about our life. I loved hearing about it. And if anybody wants to check out any of those things, they'll be in the show notes and I'll attach them later. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at thepumpingpodcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.